Go ahead and turn to Colossians 1, if you will. And as we prepare this morning, the title of the sermon, you have sermon notes in your bulletin. You can refer to those. There's some fill-in-the-blanks there. If you are going to be part of that adult, uh, young adult group afterwards, you're going to have questions on this sermon, so it might be good to take those notes. It'll be helpful. Uh, if you're part of life group, same thing as well. So we made it real easy. All you have to do is fill in the blank, and the answers are up on the screen. It's just like high school right now. Okay. Uh, this morning, I want to start us out with this idea of what? The idea of walking in a manner worthy. Walking in a manner worthy. This is part of our scripture this morning. And we're in Colossians <clears throat> 1, 9 through 14. And as we move through it, we're looking at this message by Paul as he writes from prison in Rome and he's talking to a group of believers he's never met. He's talking to a group of believers that he's watched the gospel infuse them through others that he has ministered to and it has, the proliferation of the message of Christ has so infused them and affected them that it has spread out. How exciting. How exciting. I, I, I think it might be like meeting a grandchild for a first time, right? That's how Paul must have felt. And so he had heard of their reputation. We talked about that last week. And now all of a sudden his grandchild, so to speak, is in threat. Things are getting confusing. Things are getting difficult. And so he, he's compelled to write them a letter. Have you ever written that letter to a family member? They might be a little confused on things. There might be some conflict. You see some challenging things affecting them. And you're concerned. So that's why the book of Colossians was written. And really it's this word to know. You're going to see it multiple times in our text today. But it's this idea that Paul keeps saying, stop getting off focus. You're adding things. Christ is enough. Amen? Christ is enough. That is all you need. Now that's a loaded statement. And we're going to discover all that that means as well, a portion of what that means as we move through Colossians. Many of you may recognize the picture I have up on the screen. I remember listening to a sermon at this pastor's conference I alluded to probably about 16, 17 years ago. And I had seen this movie, Saving Private Ryan. I had seen this movie before, and the ending in the beginning didn't really affect me, but the context of how it was presented during this sermon at our pastor's retreat absolutely wrecked me. I was just like a, 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 just a blubbering idiot at the end of this. It so impacted me, these words. And if you've ever seen this movie, this is Private Ryan and his golden years and his family is gathered behind him and he is standing in front of a cross he is standing in front of a cross at normandy beach the the movie was predicated and based off of world war ii and the landing at normandy and a group of soldiers were assigned with the task to go find private ryan because at that time our government had stipulated that if multiple siblings were in the army and multiple had lost their lives they would retrieve the sole surviving child off of that field that was too much of a burden for any family to give and so it was the task of this platoon this group of men these heroes to go find private ryan 
in the, in the irony of all that, in the midst of trying to fight a battle, everybody else has a different person. You're trying to find one GI. And uh, much is given for that one person. And so, at the end of the movie, you start with this scene at the beginning of the movie of him walking with his family, and then you flash back to see all the events. At the end of the movie, you get to this scene. And he turns to his wife, or, or he's still looking at this cross. And he says, so that his family can hear behind him, tell me I was a good man. Tell me I've led a good life. And if you didn't know the context behind that, you wouldn't know the power behind that. So let's look. When we talk about what it means to walk in a manner worthy of Christ. What that has for you and I today. And by the way, Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run the race marked before us. Let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. That cloud of witnesses are those that have run in front of you and have done a good job, who have walked in a manner worthy. I want you to reflect those who know Jean Peters. I want you to reflect. Was she perfect? Emma, was Mama perfect? She was perfect. Good answer. Good answer. We're not talking about striving for perfection. We're talking about walking in a manner worthy. And have you ever taken on a new job and you just scratch it? You hate that first day of training. You feel so awkward. Maybe it's the first day of tryouts and you feel so intimidated and everybody else is better than you because they know, they get it, they understand. I think a lot of times we feel this way about our faith. There's always someone better. There's always somebody walking. Folks, it's not about perfection. But wouldn't it be great if we got trained in how to walk well? And that's Paul's point in Colossians. So if that is even vaguely crossing your mind, resonating in your heart today, take notes. Because you're going to see a pattern laid out for you. For those of you that like, like information, that like to... Uh, uh, make lists and and you are sequential in your thinking this is going to speak to you today so let's get into this how does one please god well we walk worthy did you know you can please god this passage is going to tell you it's going to have those words that you can actually please god how many of you are people pleasers okay not, obviously because most of the time you won't respond to me but if i ask you you want to please me so you raise your hand that's that's a dichotomy right there. Okay. We're going to read in verses 9 through 12. Join with me, Colossians 1. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. Now, if you know anything about how to parse out a passage of Scripture, you know we're still in the introduction. 
But if you were writing an introduction to a group of people that you felt were in spiritual danger, what would you be saying? And so this is fascinating, this is intriguing, because really, he's setting the background. He's setting the background for those that are about to stumble over a cliff. Without them even knowing. It just sounds like niceties, doesn't it? It just sounds like like, um, really pleasant things to say. But there's intentionality, there's purposefulness behind each thing. And so what we want to do this morning is we want to break this down. He starts with this idea of increasing in knowledge of God. Why are you here today? The first reason you should gather on a Sunday is to worship God. Got it? It is to worship God. We can do something in worship corporately that we cannot do separately. But part of that worship is growing in our what? Growing in our knowledge, increasing in our knowledge of God. You want to keep from going over that cliff. You want to walk in a manner worthy of Christ. You want to please God. What do you need to do? You need to increase in your knowledge of God. So what's that look like? It means growth. Thinking in your life, how many things do you have that measure your growth? How many of you go to the doctors and they measure you? And measure you. And measure you. I got a great scale the other month. It says I'm going down. I paid a lot of money for that scale. (laughs) But it makes me feel really good. Do you know that when you grow in your spiritual walk, you feel good? Why? Because you know you're fulfilling what you're called to do. And the more that you increase in your knowledge of God, the more there's growth in your own personal life. It's measurable. Next. He says what? He wants you to be strengthened. How many times a week do we feel so weak? How many times have we felt the pressure just collapsing in on us and we feel helpless? Paul understands that. By the way, where is Paul writing from? Prison. What's Paul's habit in prison? It's to pray during an earthquake. That's pretty good strength. Paul knew something about what he was talking about. And so he says, I want you to be strengthened. Why? Because he saw the weakness of what was starting to happen. They They need to walk in a manner worthy. If you're going to walk, brothers and sisters, if we're going to walk in that manner, if we're going to please God, we've got to have His strength. Not my own strength. And how does that translate for you and I? It means motivated. Have we hit that wall of spiritual doldrums? Have you? Have you hit that dry place in your heart where Jesus and and worship and all of that becomes more routine than it becomes a passionate expression and interaction with God your Savior. Brothers and sisters, if we walk as Gene walked, if we walk as that great cloud of witnesses walked, then we will be strengthened. How does that strengthening happen? We've got to draw upon Christ. We've got to draw upon Him to have that motivation to pursue Him and not other things. We've got to be strengthened. Paul can give all this instruction to the Colossians all all he wants, but if they're not motivated, if they're not strengthened by God, they're not going to take one step towards what it means to walk in a manner worthy of Christ. 
Third, they need endurance and patience. Can you relate to that one? Endurance and patience. Five times this week I saw articles uh, in, in periodicals, uh, magazines, websites about the next generation. It says, uh, just the one I read this morning, says over half of Catholics uh, have left the Catholic Church. The Pope's coming this week. There's a disillusionment. By the way, I'm, I'm just mentioning that because that's the one I read this morning, but we all know the statistic for young people that walk out of church because so many other things are demanding their time. They're not strengthened. They're not motivated. And part of that reason is because we've become so routine within church that there's no power, there's no strength, there's no evidence of Christ sometimes in the very churches that we have. So this idea of endurance with patience, folks, there are those moments where we just come up against it, right? We're not all that motivated. It's challenging for the Colossians. They were getting attacked by those who wanted to bring Gnostic uh, thought and, and philosophy, religion. And they wanted to mix and make. And they all wanted to do that because of their own power plays. And he says, you have to be patient. You have to endure. Stay strong. Brothers, sisters, we want to walk in a manner worthy. When those storms come, when those difficulties come, when those things want to steal away your idea, your faithful idea of who Christ is, of who He says He is, and how He's demonstrated who He is, when that wants to be stolen away, you've got to be strong. Don't let it be stolen away from you. Be resilient. How does that parse out? Be resilient. My son is in an anthropology class at DVC. We have some great conversations about what he's being taught. I can't tell you how many of my former students, that's where they lost it. That's where they lost it. And you know why? Because they were not built up. They were not rooted up. And how do you take the Scripture and the reality of who God is and who Christ is, and how do you marry that to reality? And so when they were challenged by the educational system, that sounds real smart. And they present some things that look like they're very factual, and they will de uh, try to discredit. And if you're not rooted and built up, guess what? You won't be resilient. It's a pleasure to hear my son talk about how he assimilates what they're talking through and what they're saying and, and how his intelligence is marrying the things that make sense and, and yet taking his faith in what he understands about God and, um, and being resilient. Next, Paul says we need to be rejoicing. Hmm. Who's the number one Christian that you have ever met that is so happy and rejoicing that they just inspire you when you've ever been around them? You can say names. Bob. Your grandma. Your husband. That's really good. You guys are leading our marriage conference next month. <laughs> Who else? Well, thank you. Could you say that one more time? Next week I'm preaching on humility. Okay. 
these guys. Stephen. Give them a target, for goodness sakes. If we walk around like, and, and here's my point, you ready? Tigger, not Eeyore. Okay, only like 5% of you even know what on earth I'm talking about. All right, that one didn't work very good on the cultural level. Come on, everybody grew up with Winnie the Pooh, didn't they? Right? How many of you are irritated by Tigger? He is just, come on, I know there's owls out there. Or, or no, no, what is it? Rabbit. I know there's rabbits out in the audience. Do you know that act of kindness, that act of joy? It's all assimilated into Christ's words when He said, let your what? Let your sour face so shine among men (laughs) that they curse your Father in Heaven. Could you imagine an infomercial with Eeyore as the spokesman? They're not selling anything. And I'm not talking about fabricating joy, am I? Folks, when we walk in a worthy manner, there's a joy. There's a joy that is deep. That gives us the resilience because He has strengthened us. Because why? Because we took the time to pursue and know God. What else looks like walking in a manner worthy? Thankfulness. Have you ever been in that moment where you're thinking? Now sometimes you moms, I'm, I'm going I'm to re- refer to you moms right now. You remember those days where you didn't ever get to shower because you're just running? You're a taxi, you're Uber at one moment. You're serving on the PTA at the next moment. You're frying it up in a pan. Oh, yeah, you over 50 group, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right? So, yeah, I I heard you. I'm not over 50. I got it. Okay. But if you know, what was that? Jean Nate? What was that? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Horrible. Sorry, all you under, under 40. See how this is all salting that whole adult ministries thing. You're going to be compelled to go to your own group and never return to the, the service ever. But you moms are working. You are torn. I, on Fridays now, I am Mr. Mom. I'm telling you, I have logged enough miles in the past three weeks running back and forth with my kids and, and my own things that I have to do, I could have reached Colorado and back by now in three weeks. I don't know how you moms do it. But something that occurred to me Friday as I was driving back from dropping one of my children somewhere, I was praying for the person in front of me that had issues. I was praying, and I thought about the chaos that, that was going on with my schedule. And the Lord gave me a thought. And it's this idea of reflective. How can you be thankful in the midst of chaos? Well, you better be. Because there's going to be a day that's going to come where it's so quiet you can't stand it anymore. Right? And then we'll be lonely. We'll have another set of 
challenges we have to deal with. In the moment of your challenge and your trial, whatever it is, Paul is saying you want to walk in a manner worthy and you want to please God. Imagine, I can't even imagine this, but I'm sure St. Jean, we're just going to call for her saintness right now. St. Jean, I'm sure at some moment, complained. But I'm telling you, if you're around here on Sundays, I would walk in, last Sunday I walked in and, and there was a bunch of rattling going on in the, in the fireside room. So I walked over and I said, hey, everything going okay? Oh yeah, oh it's good, yeah, we're doing fine, Pastor. Just a smile at, at 8, 10 in the morning. I don't smile before 10. And Jean's there faithfully getting the coffee ready for you and getting the donuts ready for you. You know what? She had a hundred other things to do probably. But I never heard Jean complain. As a matter of fact, there were some things that we did and some changes that we made that a while back and Jean didn't necessarily understand them. They were changed. Her and Raleigh wrestled with them. And to this day... If I, my, my book keeps building. I'm on chapter 895 at this point. It's never been written. But chapter 896 will be dedicated to Jean. Now, the day I'll never forget, she came to me. She was just, as a servant, walking something to her car. And it was in the summer. She was just here doing something. And she walked up to me and she grabbed me and said, Pastor, I just want to tell you I'm sorry. And I'm thinking... You're St. Jean. What do you have to be sorry? And she said, I didn't really fully buy into what y'all were trying to do here a few years ago. And when I was at Mount Hermon this year, I listened to the speaker and the light went on. And I get it now. And I'm so sorry if I gave you any resistance. I think God is working in this place greatly. Do you have any idea what that does for a pastor? She never had to say those words, did she? But she was reflective. She was thankful. She demonstrated that for us. Walk worthy. Knowledge of His will. Now, we talked about knowledge of God, right? But knowledge of His will is a little bit different. It's this idea of seeking and studying. How many of us have said that we want to know what the will of God is, right? You don't just stumble into that. God has His provision and He has His sovereign will and... And God's going to invoke that when He wants to invoke that. But part of our process, part of our walking worthy is to live within that will of God. Folks, that doesn't just happen. We have to seek and study to know that will of God. So get in a life group. Get in a study. Spend time every day being in the Word and focusing on that. You think the Word just... You struggle with it. and it, Start in the Gospels. Get to know Jesus. Watch what He does. Follow that pattern of ministry. Right? Follow that pattern of obedience. Follow that pattern of, of leading. Don't start in Leviticus. <laughs> Spiritual wisdom and understanding, Paul talks about. He says, you're going to need this to walk in a manner worthy. By the way, all of these descriptors that we've read, he says, so that you may walk in a worthy manner, uh, uh, manner worthy of Christ. Right? And now what he's doing is he's describing what that looks like. That's what we're doing here this morning. So he says you've got to have spiritual wisdom and understanding. What does that look like? It means prayer and mentoring. 
How are we in our, in our prayer? Because in order to understand spiritual things, we have to engage with whom? The Spirit. And to engage, which is one of our key principles, right? Our key, our key missional statements, our values. To engage, you've got to talk. I just watched a movie with... <laughs> Just watched a movie with my girls on Friday night. We had family night, and they, they picked the movie. So it was, okay, of course, it was a action adventure. No, it wasn't. It was a, it was a rom com. You know. Okay, don't ever do that again. Note to self. You might want to mute me while I'm doing this. Okay. Yeah, it was a rom com, and the funny thing was, is in this one scene, uh, uh, the main character, the guy, uh, is is talking with another guy, and they have this whole conversation with each other, but they never say anything. And that's what's supposed to be funny about it is because guys can communicate without saying anything. Right, guys? You know what, what we're... But folks, you can't do that with God. Okay? And I don't recommend it for a marriage either. Okay? So that's how God has designed things where men can communicate without saying anything. Women, you make up for it. Okay? Well, no, now, now hold it. Now hold it. I didn't say which one was better. You decided that. All right, spiritual wisdom and understanding. We've got to have prayer. How many of us are being mentored so that we can understand all this knowledge that's being given to us? Seek it out. Next, bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. Did Gene bear fruit? Absolutely. Absolutely. And when that day comes for you and I, what will people say? Because you're running your race. Hebrews 12. You are running your race. And we'll get to that here in just a minute. This means personal growth and healing lepers. What? I don't know of any lepers. Oh, yes, you do. Now, what do I mean by this? Bearing fruit. Personal growth means that out of that growth, John 15, Christ abiding in us, that Him working through us produces fruit. It can look a myriad of different ways. Right? Now that doesn't mean that you have to be what God's called somebody else to be. That doesn't mean that they have to be what, he, what God's called you to be. But be who God has called you to be. Let Him do the work through you. Let Him strengthen you. And you will bear fruit. You will bear fruit. So why do I mention lepers? Because here's the thing. When you purposely go out and you get involved, we've got a bunch of people over there teaching and I've got to wrap up in two minutes or they're going to shoot me. And those people are teaching, that's bearing fruit. They're doing what they should be doing. Which is fantastic. But sometimes we do it for the wrong reasons. Sometimes we hear, oh, we should be doing this. We should be doing this. And a, a speaker, a Bible study leader, or a maybe, I don't know, a pastor, may be guilting us into doing things. Folks, that's not what it's about. It's about being led by the Spirit to do things. And sometimes we go into that moment of ministry and guess what? We get slapped in the face. We go home and we just mutter the entire drive home. Man, this is not worth it. Nobody appreciates me. What happened as a result? I don't see any fruit. I got rejected over and over and over. This is the leper part. Christ healed a group of guys that had leprosy. A large group. Like a life group size. One returned. And what was Jesus' comment on that? Is there only one of you? 
I radically transformed your lives and only one of you returns to thank me. I'll just be honest with you. I have that kind of power. I suck it all right back in from those nine that losers. I'll just be honest with you. You're not reflective on what I did for you? And then I give like a double portion to this guy. That's how I feel. And, and there will be those days where you're going to feel like that with bearing fruit. Follow the pattern of Christ. And you walk in a worthy manner of Christ. And you please God. Regardless of what the results are as you're trying to bear fruit. Let God do that. Let God build that. Let me close this morning. We're going to continue, but I want to... I'm, I'm going to give you this... The second part will happen next week. Let me take you to the... Uh, close your eyes. Don't look at this part. So... At the end of the movie, we started off talking this way. This is Private Ryan, and he says, what? Tell me I've led a good life. Tell me I'm a good man, right? What's the story behind that? Well, the story is, I don't know how many men, maybe 10, 12 guys gave their lives so that he could live. And in the final battle, just moments before the Allies came in support, the captain, played by Tom Hanks, is there defending him till his last dying breath. And they see the planes come over the Allies and start bombing the enemy that's killing them. And they knew that they were going to survive now. But Tom Hanks knew he wasn't, or Captain Miller knew he wasn't going to survive. This is supposed to be the grave marker of Captain Miller. And the scene that happens... At the very end, with literally the dying breath, Spielberg did a great job in directing this because Captain Miller reaches out and grabs Ryan and pulls him in close because all he can do is whisper with his last breath. And what does he say? Make it count. Make it count. That's powerful, isn't it? That is why you see Private Ryan at the end of the movie saying, tell me I'm a good man. Tell me I've walked in a manner worthy of the sacrifice that was given that I might have life. What does that sound like? The story of Private Ryan was written a long time ago. 2,000 years ago. It was written for you and for me. So therefore, let us walk in a manner worthy of Christ. Amen? And so you have a whole bunch of things that you can start on this week. And next week we'll continue and finish out with the thought of the Gospel and how the Gospel affects that. Let me close in prayer this morning. And again, as we close, I encourage you, if you have brought uh, your offerings, your gifts, um, please drop those on the way out uh, in the in the offering box on the wall. And at 11.30, we will be starting in here with our adult study, our young adults life group ministry. Let me close in prayer. Father, it is to you that we give glory. It is to you that we ask that all things come together for good. It is to you, Father, that we have gathered to worship and be encouraged. Father, thank you for this instruction manual that Paul is giving us on how to walk in a manner worthy of your Son, Jesus Christ. 
how we can please You. Lord, let us not just commit it to memory, but let us walk in this manner. That is not a passive word. It is, it is an active word. It is not something to contemplate. It is something to do. And it is something that we saw demonstrated by our beautiful, sweet sister in Christ, Jean. Let us live by the example of Christ. Let us be encouraged by the example of Jean. We commit all these things in our offerings to you this morning, to your glory. Amen.